1: Back in our number two of the program here on Monday on the final day of July. That's right. Tomorrow will be August 1st, which if you're a school kid, turning that page of the calendar always hurts just a little bit because, you know, before you turn it again, you're probably going to be back in school. I don't know how it shakes out this year when the first day of school is. I remember never going back until after Labor Day, but... Maybe I'm mistaken, but I never went to school in August. I don't remember going to school in August. It was always September, and it was usually like the second week of September. My mom's birthday is September 4th, and I seem to remember always going back after her birthday for sure, but again, I could be misremembering, but I remember, and, 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 and I guess I went to school the same 180 days, right? And we had snow days, but I I never remember going to school before Labor Day. And I never remember going to school much longer than Flag Day. I remember being in school on Flag Day. But that was probably the final week most of the time. I remember I was in, uh, I think it was fourth grade, third grade or fourth grade. And I, I was selected to speak at the flag day ceremony. And it was the first time that I'd ever had to do public speaking. And I think I did okay. I don't, I don't remember not being great at it, but I was kind of scared. And then when I was in fifth grade, we had a Olympic gold medalist in the 88 Olympics who was from Plymouth, Lynn Jewell, I think it was sailing that she won the gold medal in. And so she came to our school and I was selected to give a presentation, you know, a a, a little speech about the history of the Olympics before she got up and addressed everybody. So I started public speaking at a young age. So I guess I kind of got used to it. But I was a little intimidated by it for a while. But now that I go out and speak to crowds at libraries and everything like that, it's like, nope. I love it. And that's why I'm able to come in here and speak to all of you every day. Although none of you are actually in here looking at me, which I'm sure is helpful. 508-996-0500. That is the number to call in. It's certainly helpful for you not to be in here looking at me. We were talking in the first hour about the, you can read the article at newbedfordlight.org. Great reporting by Arthur Hirsch. Catherine and Paul, who have been collecting the signatures to put a question on the ballot, the, the November ballot in New Bedford asking the citizens if they want to see term limits for the New Bedford city councilors. This proposal would have called for if, if approved there would have been the opportunity for councilors to serve four consecutive terms four consecutive two year terms before they would have to take one two year term off. And then they could run again for another, up to another four consecutive four-year terms. And the question seemed to be getting interest because they've collected, what was it, 2,700 signatures? And they need to get 3,100. So they were closing in on their goal, plus a few, they'll get a few hundred extra in case some signatures get crossed out because they're not registered voters in the city but it seemed like there was support to at least get this question on the ballot. Whether or not it passed in November is a different story, but at least to get it on the ballot. And now they found out that this was not the way to go after they were advised going into the elections office that they could follow the 2017 initiative to change the mayoral term from two years to four years, which also required a change in the city charter. So they were advised that they could follow that as a guideline. Manny Brito, the election commissioner, according to this report, told them he would check with the city solicitor to be sure. And the city solicitor didn't get back in touch with anybody about whether or not this works until last Thursday. So I'm sure Catherine will call in this morning. We can try to get a little bit more information of how it all played out, but this is not the route, according to the city solicitor of how to get term limits put into play for the city councilors. And I want to know why not. Why was this the route to get the mayoral term changed, but we can't get the city council terms limited? Doesn't make any sense. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning. Morning. What's on your mind?
0: Um, yeah, I was just came on the city solicitor, for one thing, for not getting back to doing his job promptly. And... And at this late date, to to be um, told that they'd have to take a different route to uh, get the initiative onto the ballot is unconscionable, I think. People worked hard to get those um, signatures, and I'm sad because I I think there should be term limits for every elected office, federal, state, city, whatever. So that's my take on things.
1: Well, I mean, so... uh Again, we're saying that the city solicitor waited. We don't know for sure, and I don't want to question anybody's integrity in this process without having more facts. But it could be that you know Manny De Brito said, "I'm going to go talk to the city solicitor," and then he didn't do that. It could be that he did do that, and the city solicitor said, "Well, I'm going to take you know I'll get back to them when I get back to them." It could be that it was on Catherine and Paul to reach out to the city solicitor, and they didn't realize that. You know, there's there's a lot of ways that the ball could have been dropped here, but the ball was dropped somewhere.
0: Right somebody not doing their job or taking the proper uh proper steps to get this thing rolling. It just it seems like
1: part. a lot of people putting their finger on their nose saying not it.
0: Yeah, all right. So <laughs> All
1: right. All right. So. You have a good day. You too, my friend. 508-996-0500 if you want to chime in with what your thoughts are on this. I, I, I guess they could try to do the other roots, certainly not in time for the November election, I don't think that in the time between now and what was it, the end of this month or the end of August, I think, that you could get 9,000 petition signatures. And then if you did get 9,000 petition signatures, then you have to elect a nine-member charter commission and it would take two election cycles. So even if you got it going for this period, it's still not going to be completed for two election cycles. So at this point, you might as well just say, well, let's not rush it and try it again. And then, you know, it'll be three election cycles from now that it could it could be opposed to the public, opposed to the voters. Voters in one election would be asked to form the commission and elect commissioners. I don't know. Maybe that could happen in time for this November if they somehow got 9,000 signatures by then. Uh, Voters in the next would consider approving the commission report making the charter change. The other approach, according to Arthur Hirsch's reporting here, is that they could bypass the petition process entirely by appealing to the mayor and the council to support the move, then call for state legislation to approve the change. So that means you would have to ask the city councilors to vote to limit themselves. We've already heard some city councilors come out and say that they were against this idea. I'm going to guess that the rest of them probably would feel the same way. And it would be a virtual impossibility to go that route. And then even then, it has to be approved by the state legislature. But if I think if the mayor and the city council did sign off on it, And, you know, this home rule petition idea where, you know, you're making a change to the charter. And I think they could. I think the legislation would pass it if the mayor and the council supported it. But it's a moot point because that would never happen. That would never happen. So does this go up in flames now? This idea go up in flames. What other... Methodologies are there maybe could I, I I don't know, I don't know because first of all, nobody's telling us anything, but secondly, I'm not well versed in municipal government and how it how it all runs behind the scenes, so maybe I don't know I just need I need more explanation I need to know why it worked one way. For extending the mayoral term, but it doesn't work this way for putting in term limits. And I want to know, and as I said, I'm sure Catherine will call in at some point. I can try um, emailing her or texting her and seeing if she can. But I want to know why this wasn't told to them sooner. I want to know why it isn't the same process. And I want to know, why didn't anybody know that already? I guess it's probably different from municipality to municipality. Maybe that's why the lawyer that they hired didn't bring that up in the process. As he told Arthur Hirsch, you know, that wasn't what they consulted me on. They consulted me on the language, not on the process. They didn't ask me about the process. They thought that they had the process down. And they thought that they had the process down because according to Catherine Adamowitz, when she asked Manny De Brito, he said that they could follow the same procedure that happened for the mayoral term in 2017. Manny told Arthur, he said that they could kind of use that as a guideline, but that he would check with the city solicitor to find out exactly what method they would have to use. The bottom line is if they had heard from the city solicitor back in May when they started doing this. They would have saved themselves a lot of time and trouble of being out there in the heat and humidity collecting signatures outside of supermarkets. And also that's basically saying to every person that signed that petition who wants to see it on the ballot, well, it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you think because that's not the way that it works. So how do you think that makes those voters feel? So who dropped the ball here? Somebody did. Somebody dropped the ball. Was it Manny Brito not talking to the city solicitor? Was it Eric Jakes not getting back to Catherine and Paul? Was it Catherine and Paul not following up with the city solicitor earlier when they should have? And why? This was something that was talked about every single day on the radio, multiple times a day on the radio. And don't tell me that they don't have WBSM playing over there at City Hall because I know that they do. I know that they're listening to what's going on here. I know that they're listening to us in the mayor's office. I know that they're listening to us in the election office. I'll assume they're listening to us in the city solicitor's office. So every day, multiple times a day, Catherine Adamowitz called into the station to tell everybody what was going on, where, where they were going to be, how many signatures that they had. What, what the feedback was from people. I've talked to her just about every day. I know she called Chris and Marcus. I know she called Barry. They got the information out there to people multiple times a day. So even if you didn't hear it because she might've called in before you were in the office on my program, you probably heard it on South Coast uh, South Coast Now. You probably heard it on the Barry Richard Show. With all of that daily reminder about this effort why didn't anybody step up sooner and say hold on wait a minute why we need we need explanations about that we need someone to stand up come forward and say yeah my fault and that's again even if this is accurate information because I, I still failed to see, and I hope Catherine and Paul are appealing to the Secretary of State's office to say, is this information that we've been provided correct? Because how was it possible that they could change the length of the mayoral term with a citizen-driven ballot petition, but we can't install term limits on city councilors that way? What do you think? 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. Be back in a few moments. (laughs) and Roses covering the Skyliners. And speaking of Skyline, there's nothing better than sitting out on the patio at the Lobster Pot in Bristol, Rhode Island and taking a look at all of the scenery around you. What a nice, serene spot on a beautiful summer evening. You know that the Lobster Pot in Bristol, Rhode Island offers an amazing dining experience, but you've got to get out and sit on the patio And enjoy that beautiful view of Narragansett Bay. Just minutes away from anywhere on the south coast, the Lobster Pot in Bristol is where you can go to enjoy a great meal with something on their menu that everyone can enjoy. Or head to the lounge for a relaxing cocktail while you listen to some great live music every Friday and Saturday night throughout the summer. They're open for lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday. The Lobster Pot in Bristol, Rhode Island, Visit lobsterpotri.com for more information. And I would recommend, if you do head down to the Lobster Pot, try the lobster grilled cheese. uh, They call it the, I think they call it the grilled lobster sandwich. But it's, it's a grilled cheese with tomato and lobster meat. And it is a fantastic sandwich. I wrote an article about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that you can check out at WBSM.com, but it is one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. And you know me, you know I like sandwiches. So check that out at the Lobster Pot in Bristol, Rhode Island. Again, lobsterpotri.com. 508-996-0500 is our number. We're going to be going into the newsroom in a few moments, but we can take more of your calls on this, this idea that this ballot initiative is all for nothing now, that weeks and weeks have been spent sitting out collecting signatures in the heat and humidity for what? For nothing. I I guess, I, I don't even know that if they wanted to go the route of collecting the 9,000 signatures and establishing the commission and all of these possibilities, I don't even think that the 2,700 signatures they've collected can count toward that at this point. So it, it, the whole thing is is messed up. It really is. We can talk more about that. I'm also going to get a little bit into sharks as well because some really interesting shark news came out over the weekend. Of course, last week was Shark Week, so shark was on everybody. Sharks were on everybody's mind, and I guess there was a shark sighting, supposedly a great white sighting, uh, at least according to social media, off of Fort Phoenix. So. I don't know. I haven't checked out anything yet to see if that's formal. It's just something somebody told me. Uh, But there's some very exciting news about sharks and our relationship to the world's great white population. And I think you're going to find it pretty interesting. I hope that it doesn't make you afraid to go into the water. Just be cautious. Just don't swim with their seals. And you should be okay. Okay. But we'll talk more about that coming up in just a few moments. Uh, I would have never thought when I was younger and growing up that someday I'd be talking about how many bears we have (laughs) in our area, how many sharks, great white sharks we have in our area. Uh, Bobcats, of course, have been around. Mountain lions rumored to be here, although Mass Wildlife says it's unlikely rattlesnakes in the blue hills all this stuff and who thought that we we had all of these dangers around us but they're not really dangerous if you just know how to live alongside nature so we'll talk some sharks coming up in just a bit as well but right now it is time to go
2: into the newsroom with adam bass A federal judge has dismissed former President Trump's $475 million defamation lawsuit against CNN. It claimed CNN's use of the phrase, the big lie, to describe Trump's alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election created a comparison with, quote, Adolf Hitler and Nazism. The judge's recent ruling concluded that the network's statements were merely opinion. Gas prices are surging to an 8-month high, AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit 3.75 a gallon Sunday, that's 17 cents more than last week. Industry experts blame the spike on production cuts and record-breaking heat. Anchorage, Alaska's Mayor Dave Bronson says he wants to send homeless people to his city to Los Angeles, California. He said last week that buying a plane ticket to L.A. would be cheaper than housing them. He also said L.A. has a warmer climate, so it would be better for homeless people, as this last year was one of the deadliest years for in history for homeless people in Anchorage. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield reports. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility
0: for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: The co-chair of President Biden's re-election campaign says an impeachment would be more harmful to Republicans. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, Delaware Senator Chris Coons said a five-year investigation by a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney found no evidence of any connection between the president and his son, Hunter's, legal issues. Coons added he believes Biden has an incredibly strong record to run on based on his economic news. He called a potential impeachment inquiry political theater and suggested it the best thing Republicans t- could do to hurt their chances in 2024. The mayor of a Texas city is hoping a recent federal heat hazard alert will help his citizens cope with a record heat wave. San Antonio Mayor Ron Nierenberg said on CBS's Face the Nation, the alert will help ensure workers and employers know their rights and their workplace protections will be ramped up during the extreme heat. Nierenberg said San Antonio is seeing record numbers of electricity demand, heat exhaustion, and heat illnesses. The mayor called the heat wave A Democratic congressman is taking exception to comments a Supreme Court justice made about the authority of Congress. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Chris Murphy of Connecticut said Justice Samuel Alito is wrong that Congress may not pass laws related to the high court. Murphy pointed out that it was Congress that determined the number of Supreme Court seats. Alito, who has come under fire for allegedly accepting gifts without disclosing them, said Friday in a Wall Street Journal interview, no provision in the Constitution gives Congress the authority to regulate the Supreme Court. An Australian man has won a Scrabble World Championship. Scott Carr reports.
0: Not just for Americans, 33-year-old David Eldar of Melbourne won $10,000 and bragging rights after beating out 132 players in all at the four-day-long World English Language Scrabble Players Association Championship in Las Vegas, unexpectedly gaining an advantage with the words tan and cut. Eldar also laid out some impressive words like "Thrismus," meaning a type of 7th century gold coin, and "Sausati," a South African meat dish. But ultimately, his final word in the winning game was women. I'm Scott Carr.
2: In sports, the Boston Red Sox lost against the San Francisco Giants last night 4-3. to The Sox will stay in the western part of the United States for a game against the Seattle Mariners in Washington tonight at 9.40pm. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We have cooler temperatures and drier weather that's arrived to the area. Expect it to be a nice day overall. We're going to see
1: partly cloudy skies high near 81. Overnight tonight, we'll get down to 59 degrees. And for tomorrow, partly cloudy with a north wind 5 to 10 miles an hour and a cool, comfortable 80 degrees.
2: From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 64 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Wake
0: up! He'll wake you up better than that extra large cup of coffee. No. More Tim Weisberg on WBSM.
1: In 508 996 A little soup dragons To get your day started off So I've been teasing the story About the sharks Right You know that we've had Quite a number of great Great white shark sightings Off of our shores in recent years Well uh, This comes from WCVB But it's a story that's out there Kind of all over the place right now A new study From the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy UMass Dartmouth and the State Division of Marine Fisheries estimates that 800 great white sharks have been in the ocean off Cape Cod between 2015 and 2018. So that's the, the years that they were looking at. And then it took them a couple of years to finish compiling this report. So uh, Megan Winton, a scientist with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy and the lead author of the study, told Channel 5 800 individuals came through. It's important to keep in mind that that doesn't mean that all 800 individuals were here at once The species moves a lot. So, but that's 800 confirmed different shark sightings between 2015 and 2018. Now, part of the problem with this is in Massachusetts, they don't have the same monitoring for great white sharks as they might have other places. They have not used, well, they don't use drones as much as other states, according to this report. They've spent less than $500,000 total, the state has, on shark safety and research over the past four years. There are more than 200 receivers in the ocean collecting data when tagged sharks pass by, but currently only five of them are real-time receivers that alert officials immediately about the presence of great whites. So they would like to have more funding... So that they can have more active receivers and have a better idea of when these sharks come in. Instead, what's happening is they're waiting until people report these sightings. And then they go out and confirm whether or not there's a great white in the area. But if they had better funding for better monitoring, they would know as soon as the sharks, at least the tagged sharks, pass into the area. Now, of course, sometimes they're going to come in and they're untagged. They're going to have to go out and tag them. But they're trying to be able to monitor when these sharks are in the area. But they need more funding to do so. And what is the argument to get that funding? Well, according to this new study, you can consider Cape Cod to be one of the largest great white shark aggregation sites on the planet. The, comp- the population of great white sharks that have come through this area is comparable to the shark population off of South Africa, which is the biggest hotspot for great whites. So we are just as big of a hotspot here on Cape Cod, here in the Cape Cod South Coast region, than any other place in the world for great white sharks. Does that make you think twice about going <laughs> to the water? Does that make the mayor think about shutting down the whole town for the Fourth of July? No. I mean, we we're lucky enough that we've had very few incidents compared to the amount of sharks that we have had. And also, I've noticed that the lack of shark-related attacks on people has gone down. Well, you never hear those stories anymore. And you know what it is? It's because people have Realize that there are great white sharks in the water now and they've, they've been a little bit more cautious. So they avoid swimming out in the ocean if they see seals out there. They say, well, that's, that's not a good idea. That's when the sharks come. They've learned safety measures. They've learned how to live with sharks. And it looks like you're going to have to do that for a long time to come because the shark population is bolstered once again And they are here. We are a great white hotspot. I mean, for people who love sharks, what better news, right? And there's a business here in Fairhaven where you can actually go out shark diving. You can't miss the shark on the side of Route 6. Stop in and ask them about it and you can go out there and you can go shark diving and and go down into the cage and experience great white sharks. We've got that kind of a connection now to the shark population. I think that that's pretty cool. As someone who was into sharks when I was a kid, not so much now. It was kind of one of those things where everybody started getting into sharks and I was like, "Eh, okay. But for every, every kid that would draw sharks on their, on their school art project or always did the report about sharks or is now a grown-up kid watching Shark Week every week on television, I don't, I don't really watch it. Sometimes I'll watch some of them just to see how it looks in the 4K on my TV, but I don't, I don't really. They're, they're all kind of the same to me. One shark documentary is the same as another. But it's cool to know that we are one of the shark hubs of the world. Not just the country, not just knowing the world. I mean, if we're going to be known for something, that's a pretty cool thing to be known for, right? 508 996 0500. Let's take a break and be back in a few. <laughs>
0: You know it
1: And that's a song that was written in, uh, I think they wrote it in 1989, came out in 1991. But I think it was written not long after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And this was a time when we got a lot of songs that came out around that time. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the fall of the Soviet Union, about the, the positive change that people were feeling in the air. You know, we have right here, right now. We have... Winds of Change by the Scorpions. And as a kid, you know, hearing those songs and hearing the the, the promise of what those world events meant, I would have expected a much different world and a much different America when I was 45 years old. If you would ask me when I was, you know, 12, 13, what I thought. But going back to those songs and and hearing the promise of that time, but also still hearing how relevant those songs can be today is uh, is, is pretty interesting. 508-996-0500. We were talking before about sharks, but earlier we were discussing the fact that the ballot initiative to get term limits for the city councilors is not going to go through. Because according to the city solicitor, they've been going about it wrong. A couple of months into this drive to collect the necessary signatures and in the home stretch where it looks like they will collect the right amount of signatures that they need. They find out now, Catherine and Paul, that it is not going to work out, that it is not the proper method to try to invoke this change and that the proper method to try to invoke this change is, is probably a near improbability. It's either going to be a long, drawn out process that will take multiple election cycles, or it's a way that will never happen, which would be asking the mayor and the city councilor, uh, city councilors to sign off and to be on board with this. There's no way that's going to happen. So instead, they're just going to have to throw up their hands, I guess, Catherine and Paul will be on uh, at one o'clock with Barry today to talk more about it. I sent an email out to Manny DeBritto, the election commissioner and to Eric Jakes, the city solicitor, inviting them to call in in the next hour if they have the time and if they're available. I don't know that they will just because it's a Monday morning. It's the last day of the month. There's probably things that they've got to deal with, but if they have the time, if not, Today, certainly tomorrow, whatever it takes. But we want answers to these questions that I just don't think are answered. Why did it take so long for them to find out that this was the wrong way to go? Whose job was it to inform them that this was the wrong way to go? What was the reason for the wait? Were were they trying to see whether or not they could get the signatures? I don't know. There's a lot of questions here that need to be answered. And I'm sure a lot of thoughts that you have on it as well. 508-996-0500. That is the number to call in and share them. Or you can send us an app chat message via the WBSM app. Or you can send us an open line voicemail via the WBSM app as well. And of course... The app is brought to us by our friends at South Coast Towing who make all these great features possible. So thank you to them for that. If you haven't downloaded already, what are you waiting for? It has all kinds of great features, including an alarm that can wake you up in the morning, hearing WBSM, the ability to stream all of our programming, the ability to get our podcasts right there on your phone very easily. Of course, breaking news alerts. So when we have a story to share with you, like on Friday, when we have this The news that came out from the South Coast Now interview with Jim Govea, the president of the feast, mentioning that they will have a military flyover as part of the parade on Sunday. Two helicopters will be flying over the parade route and over the feast grounds. So on Sunday, when you see these low flying, and they will be low, according to Jim, they will be flying very low. When you see them flying over the city, very low. You don't have to run to social media. You don't have to run to Facebook and say, what are those helicopters doing flying so low over New Bedford? Go to WBSM.com, read the story, get all the information about it, and then share that story with your friends who you know will be the people to run to Facebook and say, what's going on with these helicopters flying over the city? So spread the word. Let people know. It's a really cool thing and a very special honor to have as part of this. 508-996-0500. Got to take our final break of the... You are listening to the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. And welcome back in. We only have about a minute left before we're going to go into the newsroom. We will get all of the national and international headlines from ABC News. And then Adam Bass will have all of your South Coast news from the WBSM newsroom. But we will be talking uh, on the other side more about this ballot question. We'll be talking more with you at 508-996-0500. We will not be talking with Jack Spillane. We'll turn on the light tomorrow morning with Jack in the 8 o'clock hour. He has another commitment this morning, so he'll join us tomorrow at 8 a.m. to talk about this, to talk about uh, his article at New Bedford Light.